0: Listening to the Rogers Waterfowl Podcast. This is A.A. Ron Jones.
1: Chandler Smith here. Let's talk some waterfowl.
0: Chandler, I don't know if you have a specific story about Sidka. I know that we just got back from an elk Hunt about a month ago, and yeah. I mean I can attest that one of my favorite pieces is not necessarily one of the most expensive it's not even one of the the most well known i would say that on you know 7 days of straight wear up and down the mountain sweating you know gear just being pushed to the limit the core lightweight hoodie <laughs> is probably is probably one of my favorite pieces it's it's one of those pieces you'd get up in the morning that's the first thing you put on and before you go to bed, it's the last piece you take off. It's on all day. You've got a 50-pound pack over the top of it, sometimes maybe a vest or something over it, you know, first thing in the morning. But something as simple as that Core Lightweight hoodie, it would, it would get soaking wet during the middle of the afternoon. You'd take it off. It would dry in five minutes. Uh, we were going through brush. We were going through snags and i thought for sure it was going to be shredded by the end of the hunt but it actually looks pretty dang new still i mean sure it got a little bit of wear to it but i'll tell you what and and surprisingly it did not just absolutely smell like a dirty sock <laughs> the polygene in that is just it's unreal
2: yeah it's a it's a great piece and um i'm glad we've we kind of do it all the way across the board um Except in, um, or I mean, we've added, we've added where it's everywhere. So we have it all in all of our camouflage, uh, Optifade options. And, um, I use it in all facets, whether it be elk hunting, mule deer hunting. Um, now I use it during waterfowl season early mm-hmm. and, I, and I use it during the big game season early, but I don't use it late. I, it switches to, to the heavyweight hoodie to, for me.
0: For those listening today, we are talking with Jeff Watt. And Jeff, you're affiliated with Sitka Gear. How would you describe that affiliation?
2: Well, I'm their um, regional sales rep for the uh, uh, the Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, Illinois, and Arkansas region. And, um, you know, not only are we the sales reps uh, for the region, we participate in it, in a lot of the waterfowl. And uh, and and whitetail product development, product testing. I mean, just uh, from from start to finish with these products, uh, great products that Sitka is bringing out. We're a part of it. I've got a great story for the layering, uh, for the layering piece of this, and how and how the how the layering works, and how moisture vapor works. And um, it's actually it's probably let's see, I would have it would have been 1993 or 1994 when I was first exposed to this. Now I started selling Gore-Tex waiters in 1992, um, 90 in the in the in the fall of 1992 because they launched in the spring of 1993 with Sims. and so I've I've been around it and I know it was either 93 or 94 when I went to one of those Gore uh, PKSs and um, uh, was the guinea pig. So um, we're talking about uh, talking about how moisture trans uh, transfers across. These membranes and and across the Gore fabric, and so one of the demonstrations, of course, is uh, they're looking for a volunteer, and I'm like, well, heck, okay, I'll volunteer. And so they said, come on up. So I came up, and there's this bucket of water that has ice in it, and you know, you can see the you can see the the ice floating around in there, and it, it it's cold as heck. And so they said, hey, we want you to put your arm in here, put your arm in there. So I put my hand and arm probably up to the middle of the forearm, and I'm like, hey man, anytime you can let Ath tell me to take it out, you know, and they keep talking, and finally they said, okay, take it out, and we want you to put it in this oversized uh, um, plastic glove on one hand, and then on the other hand, um, I had both hands in there, and, and on the other hand, they said, hey, we want you to put it in this Gore-Tex glove membrane, and we're going to demonstrate how how quick and how moisture vapor works, uh, transfer works, and so. Um, you know, he goes on to explain some more stuff and talking and he's looking at me and I'm, I'm kind of holding my hands up, looking at him. And I see, man, that there's just all this water moving around in the clear plastic one. And, and my left hand that has the Gore-Tex glove on it feels pretty much feels the same way as this right one. Then all of a sudden, about two minutes into it, I start feeling some warmth in there and I'm like, Oh, this is kind of, this is kind of cool. And so after about four minutes, He takes the Gore-Tex glove off my, off my forearm and hand and my forearm and hand are completely dry after they've been just as wet as the one that's in the plastic, clear plastic glove. And and what, what that shows is how that, how that moisture vapor is pushed based on my body temperature, 98.6 is pushed through that membrane, the pores of that membrane and actually dries my hand off. So and that kind of leads us into, into how, how where Sitka started, and, or, or not where Sitka started, but what Sitka's um, uh, tagline is. And we, we make systems, and those systems are um, skin-to-shell.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: skin-to-shell means what we were talking about just a little bit ago, the Core Lightweight hoodie, um, or any of our base layer next-to-skin products. So that would be the Core Lightweight crew, the Core Lightweight bottoms, the merino, merino tops, the, uh, core lightweight hoodie, you know, any of, of those things that you would put next to skin. The, what, what the key to that thing is, is once our body creates moisture or sweat, how fast can the the next layer move it on to the next layer and then out into the atmosphere? And you were talking about elk hunting, you know, elk hunting, uh, normally in that September time frame is cool in the mornings and warms up during the day and, um, then cool in the evenings. And so we don't see much of our heavyweight stuff, our core heavyweight hoodies or our core, uh, or our Merino heavyweight stuff, or, um, you know, some of those insulation pieces. So basically you're dealing with that core lightweight and, and then maybe a, a mountain vest or a timberline vest or, or, or excuse me, timberline jacket or, you know, something of that nature next. And so, um, so one of the things is, is when that moisture from your skin that your body's creating hits that fabric is how fast does it spread out? Because the faster it spreads out on that inside of that fabric, the faster it's going to get off of your, off, off and cool your body off. And that's, that's why, when you turn our garments, our base layer stuff inside out, there's almost little squares or little ridges on there, and that's to create space in between the fabric and your skin or your hair follicles. to 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 ha- that space helps move move that moisture vapor away from you and cool yourself off or dissipate that that moisture.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think that's one thing too that I I think in years past before. I had gotten into uh, a lot of of research and knowledge about layering systems. I used to think, okay, as long as I can keep this moisture off my skin in the base layer, whatever I throw on top of that doesn't necessarily, it's not as critical. So I would be dry against my skin, but maybe that middle layer or that outer layer would be holding moisture as well, and that still keeps you cold. Um, And then, you know, you start talking about uh, the, the Sitka layering system and how they all breathe, that that moisture gets pushed from layer one through layer two and out of layer three a lot of times. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily consider that all three layers are just as crucial as that first layer.
1: Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was kind of interesting talking about the, you know, we went out on a elk hunt a couple of weeks ago, but it's kind of the opposite of, uh, of some waterfowlers. And as far as, um, hot to cold because a lot of times in the beginning of the morning is when the waterfowlers get, get hot because they're moving around, they're getting set up and then they sit down and that's when, that's when their microclimate needs to, to regulate, to, to balance out so they don't get freezing cold after they've done all that work in the morning, you know?
2: Well, that's, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, you kind of segued into, into where, uh, you know, I was going to go with layering next and that was you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, I've, I've waterfowl hunted, oh man, now I'm going to date myself really bad. So since, uh, you know, probably 19, I mean, I've waterfowled since I was a kid, but really serious from 1983, 84, all the way to today. And so I've been able to wear pretty much most of the waders that have ever been, or most of the concepts or styles of waders that have been manufactured. You know, first I had those old heavy canvas ones and then we went to the coated Cordura ones that I think Red Ball made. And then it was in the neoprene and um, neoprene probably had the longest lifestyle lifestyle or life cycle out of the waiters besides canvas. And, and then you know, we we got into Gore Tex, and so, um, you know, there were breath- there are breathable waders out there, and and they're, I mean, for for the most part, it's a it's a um, either a coating or a laminate, um, some sort of a of a of a membrane. We're we're speaking of Gore Tex stuff here, and Gore Tex, um, shoot, it's been around it's been around since i think the late 70s maybe maybe early 80s was the first product but you know the whole the whole key as you mentioned waterfowl hunting is is you're setting your decoys you're moving around you're getting everything ready to go and and you're trying to get that done before daylight and most of the time if you're on time you've got about a 10 to anywhere from a 10 20 to 30 maybe 40 and in some places an hour, hour and a half wait if you're public hunting so um you're right. That's that's one of the critical times where you've created all this moisture, and um, it it just sits there. It doesn't go anywhere. And with the development of the Gore-Tex, the Delta Zips, and the Delta non-Zip waders that that uh, we've been in, we've test we've tested and tested and tested. Um, this this pretty much makes that a thing of the past if you layer underneath it. And that's one of the one of the things that a lot of people as, as you, you just said, don't understand that every layer has got to breathe. And so I always see somebody wearing maybe some, uh, mountain khakis or car hearts or some sort of a cotton based pant. You know, they got their long underwear base layer on, then they got this pan on and then they jump into their waders. Well, you're, you're, you're going to get cold or jeans, you know, they got jeans on. And so they're, they're defeating the whole purpose of this breathability. And so, um, you know, my system with with uh early system, so if I was gonna go on Saturday, I'd probably have a pair of lightweight um core lightweights on and then I might you can probably get away with wearing a pair of grinders or you know something like that and then the waiters if you had to wear pants. If not, if it was warm like it is during teal season, I might just go core lightweight straight to the waiters, you know, mm. because everything's gonna breathe through there. And as the season progresses, my layering changes. I always I, I go core, I always have a core lightweight on, and then I might go to a gradient pant, which is our heavy fleece pant, but it's breathable. And then the gore, of course the delta delta zip or delta non zip, and everything's breathing out. As it gets colder, I change and I go maybe from um, instead of the core lightweight, I go to a merino or maybe even a core heavyweight and then go to the gradient and then go to, um, uh, the waiter. And sometimes I got everything I, 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 I own on, you know, maybe, maybe the light Merinos and the heavy Merinos, then the, then the uh, gradient pants. But that gradient pant is a key because number one, it has some loft and it again has the ability to, to transfer that vapor and transfer that moisture out to that, to that Gore-Tex fabric where it's going to go out into the water in. You know, one of the things, the colder it gets, as, as that, that little demonstration that we talked about that I was the guinea pig on, the colder it gets, the faster the moisture vapor will transfer from your body to, to the atmosphere or actually into the water. Because it's the big, there's a, there's a bigger temperature range between your body temperature and the ambient temperature or the water temperature. So the bigger the the bigger the gap there, the faster it's going to go. I mean, you could actually have if you put these waders on and got in a hot tub, it could come the other way, because it's a it's a two way street. It's not just a one way street. Um, if the if the water was 120 degrees and your body's only 98, it's going to come in. Mm-hmm. Then it's not like it's going to come in like a sieve, but you're going to feel moisture in there because now it's it's transferring the uh, the opposite way. So uh, the Gore-Tex wader are, are, was, was, is, is a great piece for – and that's where a lot of people don't understand it because they think, oh, it's so thin. Well, the whole key is that system, is what's underneath it, and whereas with neoprene, it, you had 5 mil or 7 mil, and so you had kind of a built-in insulation piece. You can create that and have 10 times the mobility in the Delta waders if you – Pay attention. Listen to our retailers. Listen to our website. Listen to our our videos that are out there, training videos, and this, that, and the other.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's the thing too. There is a wealth of knowledge um, that can be gained just simply talking to, uh, like you said, a retailer, or even anybody who's owned any bit of Sitka. And I know that having worked, you know, at our retail uh space and, and talking with people in sitka, you'll get some guys that are, are looking at, you know, neoprene waiters and then you kind of educate them on breathable and then they walk by all the sitka and stuff and then they they say, uh, you know, you talk to them a little bit about that and they're like, well I mean you know, you don't really need all that expensive stuff. That's more for the Western guy and I say, Well listen here, you think about it, when you've got ten dozen decoys you gotta throw out if you're field hunting and then you gotta pull out all the blinds and doing all that What's the difference between that hour and a half you're working, throwing out all those decoys, as opposed to just hiking up a mountain? I mean, you're going to be sweating. You're constantly go, go, go. And then all of a sudden, you, everything's all set up, and then you're just going to lay in a blind. You're not going to move at all. So that's like you know you're you're out west and you're you're setting somewhere and you, you know maybe you, you do some cold calling for elk or whatever it it 's very similar in the sense that you're you're going 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 and then stopping and then going 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 and stopping, and regardless of what you 're hunting any time that you can get a, a material that will help self regulate that body temperature and allow that moisture to to transport away i mean I, I think people they try to differentiate this type of hunting is so different from that type, but as far as physical activity and what you're doing, a lot of times it's more similar than one may think.
2: Well, you're you're right about that, and you know everybody always goes why they they use the price as saying, well, I don't need that; it's too expensive. I I I don't need it. You know, that's for something else, and it's really not. Waterfowl mm-hmm. hunting is very similar to whitetail hunting. It's sedentary. It's a little bit of go and then sedentary. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit ago and sedentary, especially if you got a dog. I mean, I, I get dogs. I don't even leave the tree I'm standing next to, whether I'm in the woods or leave the blind. You know, that's what the dogs are for. Sure, yeah. And so you're basically sitting there just like a whitetail hunter sitting there waiting for a, waiting for an animal to come by. And and, um, you know, it's that was when we first launched this in Waterfowl, I think it was 2011. And. Um you know our key our, our our goal was to get a pair of gloves, a uh, Dakota beanie, something on the consumer unless they were uh, they were all in If they weren't all in, we wanted them to buy some some sort of our necessity or our accessory package just to get them a taste of it because then they would see what we were talking about. And once we did that, they're not going to buy just one. They're going to come back and they're going to buy a whole system or part of a system or something like that. What we see a lot today is they'll come and buy the outerwear and the insulation pieces. And then when we talk to them about base, Oh, I got under armor or I got this, or I got that, or I got Patagonia or whatever. And you know, at the end of the day, if they tell us Patagonia or Arc'teryx or some of that good mountain outdoor stuff, then, um, then I'm like, okay, I, I get that. But if they tell me something other than that, I'm like, man, you're missing the boat. That's price point stuff that they're trying to hit a price point, And that's all it's going to be. This stuff will outperform it every time. And, and so, you know, it's, it's just, again, convincing to get those first pieces. And you, you, you talked about the durability. I've got pieces today that I still wore that I, that, that I'm still wearing that are seven years old. Mm-hmm. And I hunt a bunch, so, so I mean I, I'd hate to, tr- I hate to try to figure out how many days I have on some of this base layer stuff, some of the older stuff. Um, I, I bet I'd have okay, 2011. This is this would be 18. Let's say six years at 30 days minimum. So I got a I got 180. I mean some of the pieces I have 180 to to uh, you know 220. Days on, and that's a lot of days. And sure. that's just that's just actually hunting, not wearing it, you know, around or doing this, that, mm-hmm. and the other. So, you know, um I, I'm i from the opinion you get what you pay for, and if you buy quality, you're going to buy it one time and cry one time.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a thing too. Like you were saying, you you just wanted to get people into a piece, whether it be a glove, a beanie, a, a gator. Um, and you're seeing people jump in with maybe an outerwear piece. Um, It seems like, you know, we were briefly mentioned earlier, every time we we post on social media in regards to Sitka gear, you know, you're going to have fans, uh, uh, you're going to have people who dislike it, people who like it, but the majority of the comments are, if, you know, you try a one piece, then you're going to see what it's all about. And I think... And I've told people that, too, at the store, that, yes, it's got a little bit of sticker shock right out of the gate, but just try it. it you're going to be pleasantly surprised. And I think the market itself a little bit now is people willing to spend a little bit more for that comfort. People are starting to realize that, man, my, my comfort, my happiness is worth it. There's no reason to sit out there and be miserable.
2: There, there's no doubt. And I can tell you, wearing Sitka gear, you're going to stay out longer. And, you know, that was one key with the with the waiter is if we can solve, if we can put the best possible boot on these waiters and have 95% of the people not tell us their feet are cold, then it's a success. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of one, two, I'm one of four or five, maybe six that have been in or been involved in the waiter testing and the waiter development, the waiter production since we even started thinking about it four and five years ago. And um the boot is the best boot that I've ever had on a waiter, period. And the waiter is the best waiter ever built for waterfowl hunting. And that's comfort wise. It, you know, is there a trade off with um durability because it's Gore-Tex? Yeah, there's a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's no different than than your truck or your boat or you know uh, any other piece of equipment that you have. If you if you see a bunch of down trees and all that stuff, are you gonna are you gonna run your boat out, boat with an outboard on it uh, over those trees and all that stuff full tilt and chance of knocking out the lower unit? No. You're going to ease around it, and you're going you're gonna to get up to it, pull the motor up, you know, and do all that. It's the same thing with any type of this gear is you see a big briar thicket. Are you going to bust, bust tail through it? No. You're going to walk around it mm-hmm. because it's taking care of your gear. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's got a great warranty. It's all in the field, repairable, which is is not not uh, commonplace today. Normally, it's disposable with waders, or you know they they can't because of they don't have the technology that we're using um, in the in the uh, in the Gore Tex wader. Um, you know, I, I don't know the answer there, but I know that I've spent a lot of time in waders, both fishing and duck hunting, and these are awesome.
1: Yeah, you mentioned something about uh, you know, everybody's feet getting cold and sometimes I think that it's um not understanding the uh you know, getting these sixteen hundred gram boots on and then and walking a whole bunch and now your feet are sweating and you have two two heavy wool socks on or something because you think your feet are gonna get cold. So I think people need to be aware that these, these really, really warm boots you gotta be You got to be cautious. You don't, I mean, right before you start huffing and puffing out there, your feet might need to be a tad bit cold because they're going to warm up. But uh, Well,
2: and that's that's right. And, you know, it's no different than uh, I was talking to uh, somebody here a couple days ago about how I normally start out when we're elk hunting or in the mountains hunting is I start cold. I mean, I want to be cold. When I'm started, because within 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to be, I'm going to have the body temperature is going to be going and I'm going to be comfortable. I have a tendency to be able to perform better when I'm not getting into those upper temperatures. And when it comes to, when it comes to any boots, but specifically waiters. Is you want airspace in there? You don't want to. You don't want to have to have to just take a shoehorn and get your sh- foot with socks in the boot because they're not going to be able to move around and circulate. And and every time you move in those waders, it pushes the air around. And as your your body's natural tendency to to warm stuff anyway, it it moves that warm air that's inside the the boots. And so you don't want to have too much on or too many on I mean the coldest I mean I use a um in the coldest days last year when we had a heck of a cold uh, duck season last year I mean all the way through uh, heck the whole month of January we were froze and um you know I basically had on a a a um a midweight type smart wool sock and then I had a heavyweight wool uh, type of smart wool sock on it over it and that was it and it wasn't like two two heavyweights, you know, this, that, and the other. But it was a, just a midweight and a heavyweight, and that was enough. But I also sized my boot to where I knew I was. I knew earlier in the season maybe I might slosh around just a little bit in them. But I knew because uh, I don't want to have two two pairs of waiters, one for early season, one for later season. Um, I just I I could put that second pair of socks on. Um, and be able to still not be constricted in there, and have that air movement constricted.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, as far as yeah, you you can't get something that's that's too tight on the foot because when it gets cold, if you don't have enough trapped air in there, you're gonna get cold. You definitely don't definitely don't want too little of space. So I know um, if people aren't real familiar with some of the technology that's involved with Sidka. Um, One of my favorite things about a lot of the pieces um, is the technology of the polygene. And um, I'll let you explain that a little bit. But to me, what I like most about it is when I'm right in the thick of whether it be deer season, you know, duck hunting, goose hunting, my clothes don't see a washing machine every single day. So... (laughs)
2: <laughs> I've got some that don't that don't see it at all. Exactly. You know so the yeah. fact
0: that the products that are against the skin have polygene in it. Can you explain that a little bit, please?
2: Well, polygene, where polygene is going to be with with uh, Sitka gears, anything that can be worn next to skin. So that would include our core lightweight. It would inco- it would include our core uh, midweight stuff, and it's basically going to be. Um, anything core heavyweight, midweight, or lightweight. And basically it's a, it's a permanently, uh, it's a, it's a treatment that's permanently on the fabric. So um, it's a silver, it's a silver salt. So it's built in there. It, it does watch at wash out, but I think it's like 80, 80 to 90 washings or something before it'll deteriorate to where it's not going to be there. But um, it's, uh, you know, it just, it just safely, safely um eliminates the odor there and or it doesn't let bacteria grow. So it doesn't start. to so whereas some of the other stuff, once it starts, it's hard to get it out of there. And or it's hard it's hard to stop it from from um from multiplying and so therefore it has to be washed. So anything that so like I said, the core light any of the core lightweight, midweight or heavyweight stuff will have polygene.
0: Sure. And I think too that um I, I have some of the merino pieces and Anybody who's familiar with merino, I mean, that stuff is, I that stuff's, it's outstanding. Um, I wore some of the uh, merino boxers and some of the lightweight bottoms, the lightweight um, half zip up front, and you know it, that stuff it, it doesn't hold odor at all. But even the polygene, that core lightweight, man, there were days when I was you know hiking up and down mountains, and that thing was literally ringing wet. You'd hang it up, it'd dry in five minutes. And it never, it never really got like a ranted smell to it. And I know, I think a lot of, I, I say a lot of, I think some of your accessories, some gloves and um, the beanies and stuff, I think they have some of that too, which of course that's next to skin and you're sweating in, but I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm a firm believer in polygene after having put it through, you know, put it through its paces. Um, it's It's just great stuff.
2: Yeah, we we sure as heck are too. I mean, we we like to like the polygene. Um, I'll tell you, you know, I get to where if I'm going to be really, uh, if I know that I'm going to get wet or going to be around water, I kind of stay away from the merino because it's so hard for it to dry out, and it has a tendency to wick.
0: Mm-hmm. So then,
2: if I get the cuff wet, it's going to work its way up the arm. Sure. Um, sure. So um, it 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 has to be a certain situation to where I'm going to wear that Merino, uh, when it comes to a dry field hunting all the time. Um, any, when it starts freezing and all that stuff, I'm okay with it there, but any of that earlier stuff, I kind of stay a- away from it. Cause I, I, especially since I'm the one running the dogs most of the time, sure. then, and they're going to be shaking and all that stuff on you. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, I kind of want to stick with the synthetics because number one, they're going to dry. And, um, number two, um, or they're going to dry and number two it seems that they don't wick as well up up towards they kind of wick out but they don't wick up towards like up up the sleeve or something but um,
1: so and then so how new is the merino to the waterfowl line because that's something we've
2: we've had merino in it really since the inception we had uh, and so last year is it last year no this year would have been the first year for the heavyweight so we've got a second weight which um is actually pretty cool stuff. It's yeah, the a, um,
1: heavyweight. Yeah, yeah, that's right. what I was talking about. So we've about.
2: got okay. So we've got the um, that would have been new for uh, uh, 2018 for us, and so it's going to be a almost a 300 gram uh, weight. So it's it's probably twice. It's probably twice, maybe two two and a quarter times heavier than what we have in the big game line. Which I, we might have heavyweight in there too, but we also have a lighter weight. Mm-hmm. for um that has a tendency to dry a heck of a lot faster too
1: yeah and just but, to clarify to listeners uh Aaron mentioned the merino the merino doesn't have polygene but it's got no. its natural it's a natural ab- right ability to wick and and to not smell you know that's correct um, but like like you're saying that if you got your your sleeve wet and merino it might kind of work its way up that sleeve into the into the arm and the elbow kind of area um when synthetics might not do that
2: that's yeah. correct
0: yeah. So
1: okay and um yeah I know you've got
0: a lot of of mid layer pieces um yep. one that uh, I know is probably a, it's probably one of our number one sellers and everybody I know a lot of friends uh that talk about that mid layer that's their favorite piece is that duck oven jacket um what are some of the other pieces um that that are big cuz we're going to have a lot of people that listen to this that may say okay you know I've you know I've been on the fence about trying some sitka um, you know maybe, maybe what are some pieces that you would recommend to to start out with um, if someone were building a set, so I know you said you like that core lightweight core midweight um, what what insulation layer do you do you like yourself or what do you think is a, is a good one
2: okay, so my system every day is going to be so, some some piece of core lightweight, so it 's either going to be a short sleeve shirt or one of our long sleeve crews then um, and, and if it's warm enough, then I'll wear, or I mean, if, if, if I want a hood, then I'll wear the core lightweight hoodie, which I normally do. So that's my long sleeve piece in there. Then as, um, um, I always have a vest, whether it be a Dakota vest or a, yeah, a do- Dakota vest or a Fahrenheit vest. And then, um. I use a Delta. I probably wear the Delta. The Del- that that's set right there more than anything. Now, as the temperature gets a little colder, I replace the lightweight core lightweight hoodie with a core heavyweight hoodie. And it just uh, I always have a I, I always like that hood just just in case you're running a UTV or a boat, you just throw the hood up. Boom, takes the chill off off your off your ears. When you move into the insulation pieces, the duck oven was one of the original pieces we we came out with in 2011 and basically it's a it's a combination piece to where it has a uh, a windstopper and prima loft upper so basically from the middle of the of the torso up and then it has a a um polyester uh polyester blend knit lower to where it tucks underneath waders so ultimately what it was built for is to wear tucked into waders But it also gave you some exposure outside um, to the elements as an outerwear, as an outer shell piece. What we found is that people were wearing that thing as their outerwear piece, and so we beefed up the durability. We added chest hand warmer pockets last year, so um, you can still have it on your waders and put your hands in your pockets or underneath your waders and still get get hands in the pockets that are up around your chest. To me, the advancement that we um we've done here a couple years ago was brought a better piece out it's duck oven's a great piece it's it's kind of running through its life cycle and to me the best replacement piece or or another piece that i would consider because i think it's a warmer piece is the fahrenheit jacket the fahrenheit jacket and i wear the fahrenheit vest or that duck or the uh dakota vest every time i go and um that fahrenheit jacket it has thumb holes Similar to what the duck oven has, the only difference is it doesn't have those chest pockets up there. But it's a it's a windstopper uh, outer membrane. It's got pre silver in the uh, for the insulation piece, and it's real sleek and snug. And it, you you really don't even know you got the thing on as a, as an insulation piece. So if you take those the three pieces that I would consider, they're all. I mean, the the duck oven is two ninety nine. The Fahrenheit jacket's two ninety nine. So if you want one or the other, same price point. Um, Fahrenheit vest, Fahrenheit vest is no brainer. I mean, it's, it's, it's like that, just that puffy vest that is is a vest that can be used all the, all season long. Um, you, you just, I mean, it's, it's a, it never, it never, it never goes uh, duck on. I never go duck on without one.
0: Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I've, I would say in the last probably four to five years that I've really grown fond of is vests simply because one, it keeps my core warm Um, but I still have a lot of mobility in my arms. It doesn't add bulk when you're trying to shoulder a shotgun, anything like that. I I like the fact that if I'm throwing out, you know, I'm field hunting and I'm throwing out birds or decoys, um, you know, you can just wear some sort of hoodie and a vest. Then when it comes time to sit down, jump on a blind, do whatever, you just throw your outer layer on top of that. I absolutely love vests. And, And I, that you know, with like the Fahrenheit with the, the Prima loft in it, um, it, it Helps you self-regulate your body temperature really well. It keeps you warm, but yet if you start getting warm, it's going to allow that heat to escape. I absolutely love it. That's right. Absolutely love it, Chandler. What are some of the pieces that that really stick out to you that that you kind of like?
1: Well, I had a I had a question about you know what what would be the pant that you want to have under the waiter, um, you know, under a sickle waiter, under a pair of waiters? Because would wear you a got, gradient. Gradient.
2: I'd wear a gradient. yeah. Uh, for ninety percent of the duties, and I wear a gradient. Now, again, those early uh, early teal season, or you know, if I was going if I was going um, this weekend, which it sounds like I will be going because I have one that's still in the youth season. I just got to get my my ducks in a row here. Um, I, I wouldn't have a problem wearing a grinder on it this early because I know I'm not going to get cold. You know what I'm saying? But if there's any chance that there's a possibility of getting cold, the ultimate piece for underneath the Gore-Tex waders are the gradient pants.
0: And they. They are so extremely comfortable. It's it's oh, crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. And of course, if somebody's not familiar, um, not all Sitka pants have a foot stirrup, but the gradient does have a foot stirrup. It is designed to be worn, um, specifically underneath a waiter. And it is the softest pant you'll ever get your hands or your butt in. <laughs>
1: That's right. There you go.
0: It it really is. So, um, Another thing, too, you guys came out with the marsh pattern first. What kind of led to the development of the timber? I know it it, it stems from wanting a little bit darker uh, pattern, but, um, you know, kind of how was that brought about?
2: Well, that kind of happened. It actually, I was part of that one, too, and um, that would have been done in uh, 2013. In the, the fall of 2013, the winter of 2014, Jonathan Hart. And myself and and um john stevens from rnt jim ronquist uh jimbo uh from down there just you know the marsh pattern works on ducks it works in the woods we knew that the problem was to a human human's eye when you're looking across the the woods and in, in the timber in flooded timber and you see the marsh pattern sitting out there you stuck out even though you didn't stick out to the ducks and so we kind of we thought heck the whole southeast, the whole Mississippi uh, Delta, Missouri River bottoms, all that stuff. Man, we could sell the heck out of a darker pattern, and so that's where it evolved from. It took us, uh, it took us all of 2014, part of 2015, and we launched it to retail um, in the spring of 2016. So, uh, it, it's, and it's, it's probably the split right now, just nationwide is probably 60, 40, so, you know, 65, 45 marsh to timber, but you go South of, uh, I mean, I, I think I put marsh on last year, a couple of times, once when I was in Nevada and then when I was in Canada and that's it, I didn't wear marsh at all. I wore, I wore the timber, uh, the whole rest of the season. So
0: sure. Now across both the waterfowl marsh product line and the waterfowl timber product line. Is it going to carry the, the same products back and forth? Is there a little bit of differentiation between the two?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things that aren't in both lines. Like, for instance, in the marsh line, there's there's the layout jacket and the layout bib. It's not available in timber. The timber pack is only available in timber. Um, uh, it's not available in marsh. The... Um, i don't think there's anything else um those those would probably be the only ones that cross over that aren't that aren't available across the board or those pieces there but
0: the staple pieces the duck oven the yeah, fahrenheit yeah. the dakota you know the hudson a lot of those Hudson, the yeah. delta
2: all that boreal is not available in timber sure. but it's um and the boreal bib is not, but those, those would be the only ones, but everything else pretty much crosses over the, the, the main, or the, the mainstay of our line crosses over.
1: Sure. Absolutely. I know we touched a little bit about the sick, uh, the patterns. Um, and I think if, sometimes we feel like that everybody's knows if, and heard about the science behind the sick of patterns, but maybe someone's listening and doesn't know exactly why. Um, and is there any way you can explain, you know, briefly, you know, kind of the, the idea behind them?
2: Yeah. You know, it's basically the patterns are developed for the species of pursuit. So when, when we came up with the waterfowl patterns, the, the whole thing was you're being looked at from the air by a duck at approximately 30, 40 yards and ducks see differently than ungulates, which would be the the deer and the elk and all that stuff. And so you'll notice there's a hexagon kind of look in, in the, in the pattern. There's swirls in the pattern which aren't in the open country of the subalpine and that's just how waterfowl or or birds avian avian see and so uh, there is a website um i I think it's optifade.com um where it goes through the whole thing and you can actually take a take a um uh, a simulator of 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 where people are hiding in the camouflage in there so in the in the different patterns in different uh in different environments. So it's worth, it's worth um, taking a look at.
1: Yeah. I've, I've been to that website. It's pretty neat to see all the the, the stuff and the, see the science behind everything. Um, cause like the first thing you said, which kind of sums it all up is it's designed for the, uh, the species you're in pursuit of. And, uh, so it's different. It's completely different than, you know, the, the, the science and the thought and everything behind it's different than the whitetail, different than the big game. Um, so.
2: Because a whitetail are, uh, for whitetail it's elevated so you're going to be elevated so the deer's going to be looking up at approximately uh, 30 yards 15 or 16 feet in the air big game is on the ground 40 or 45 yards away i think and so those patterns are going to be larger blocks whereas um larger blockage or blockings and um you know it's 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 specifically for the animal pursuit and that that the website really pulls a lot of stuff out on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely and that website is optifade.com. Yeah. Okay, that's what i thought. Sure, absolutely. And it, yeah, it does. It goes into a great amount of detail where you can explore the patterns. It really describes what they're for, how they were, you know, designed. So, I mean, you're going to get a lot of people that say, well, how'd they know? They go ask that duck whether whether he could see us, but I don't think people realize the science that can be done just by, you know, dissecting a, the eye of any certain animal. Um, people talk about, you know, how do you know a deer can see this color or it can't see that color? Well, you know, they they dissect the eye, they analyze the rods, the cones, the you know, and what color spectrums it can see in, so... Um, You know, there's just advancements in technology now that have started to put uh, more advantage, you know, in our favor, which, hey, I'm going to take every advantage I can when it comes to something like that. And I think that's one of the things, too, that um, maybe concealment is one of the most underrated uh, aspects of hunting, hiding, getting invisible. That's tough. Mm -hmm.
2: Not only that, just movement. Yeah. I mean, movement, if if you stay still, you could dang near you can hide from anything. I think you just have to stay still because we pick up on, we just all not only humans, but animals, they just pick up on movement. And as you guys have, if you've shot elk and been around elk much, look how big their eye, eyeballs are. I mean, and it, it just goes down, down the line. I mean, a duck, I mean, the brain on it is what as big as, uh, as big as, uh, your thumb or something. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's like a Turkey. If, if, um, it has a small brain, but they use their senses and, and all of those things to the best of their abilities. And, you know, waterfowl, it's, it's sight. They don't really smell. They can smell. They just don't, they don't smell. They don't rely on scent, um, sense of smell. They they rely on sight. And um, for most of their, not only defense mechanisms, but uh, where they're going and being able to navigate, I mean, watching ducks flying in the timber is just crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, you're yeah.
2: thinking, well, they're gonna wind up in the trees which sometimes they do <laughs> but at the end of the day it's amazing how they can go whistling through there so.
0: absolutely and we're talking about how these patterns are designed to help keep you invisible from the animals i've got a, a story when we were out elk hunting um, a little over a month ago uh, i i wore subalpine chandler wore open country And there was an instance where we stopped. We got a drink of water. He started ahead. I said, hang on, I'm going to drop my pack. I'm going to take this jacket off. I'll catch up to you in a minute. So, I mean, as long as it took to do that, maybe a minute or two, I think I got another drink of water. So I lost track of him. I get my pack back on. I start walking. Um, I'm walking. I'm walking. I'm like, well, gosh, how far ahead of me did he get? Well, pretty soon I hear him cow call, I think, to get my attention. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, what? where are you at? I don't even see you. Well, I guess he didn't hear me, so he cow calls again. I can't tell where it's coming from, so I start heading down the mountain, and pretty soon I hear him running and traipsing and breaking sticks and whatnot, and he goes, well, why didn't you come over to me? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, you walked 10 feet past me. I said, man, I didn't even see you. (laughs) I said, what were you doing? He's like, I was standing right next to that tree, and I was cow calling at you. I said, "I honestly, I had no idea where you were. It sounded like the cow call was coming from down the mountain. I literally walked what, what, 10, 15 feet by you, and I had
1: no clue. Yeah. I was trying to throw stuff at you. I was actually sitting down, and I when you said you were going to you know, take a drink and take your jacket off, I said I was going to go up here and get, get to this open area where I can glass a little bit. So I kind of stopped and settled in and got the binoculars out, and I was glassing. And I, I just remember one moment I took the glasses down, and you were walking right in front of me and then you kept going i thought you were going to come around to where i was but you just kept on going so then i started throwing stuff at you and then i started cow calling at you i had, yeah, and I had you no just clue. kept on going and i it, had no clue yeah it, it was just, kind of funny
0: yeah and i mean really it's such a good pattern that i mean you, you get in the natural environment and it, it it does it just breaks up your silhouette your outline and it just it blends right in and i i had no clue and i i thought i was better than than that at spotting somebody in the timber but apparently not. I walked right past him and so I buy him. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it it'll fool the human eye as well too. So and sometimes that's what you want. If you're set up somewhere and you don't want people to set up by you. I mean, like you were saying, you're sticking out like a sore thumb, you know, with maybe a marsh in the timber pattern to the human eye when you look across the top of that water, um, you know, whatever it be, but yeah, it's 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 good stuff. I mean, I I was of that camp that right out of the gate, I thought, man, I just, I don't know the price it gets me. And, you know, more than one person friend, uh hunting buddy said, try it. You're going to try it. You're going to love it. You're going to become addicted to
1: it. 100%. That's the truth. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: We hear it all the time. Yeah.
1: It is. <laughs> one thing that I kind of, uh, I like about the, the what your your offerings are on the on the waterfowl side of things is the accessories. Um a lot of companies kind of only have a few, um but but you guys have about every option out there. And I think it's funny because I go hunting with a lot of different different people and everybody's wearing something different as far as accessory, headwear, gloves, neck gaiter, whatever. I mean, from guys wearing just hats to hats with beanies over them, or just beanies to balaclavas to only you know neck gaiters and wearing the hoods of their jacket. Everybody's different, you know. We even got you know boonie hats out there and and different style stuff. And you guys offer the whole the whole lineup. I mean, the collars glove that was just that one's made for the duck hunter. I mean, this it's a one it's a one slash two glove system. Or um, you can keep that that calling hand available and free and not covered in a glove so it doesn't muffle that call sound that's right and then you guys go and design backpacks for both styles of hunting so the the timber backpack i think is awesome to hang on a tree and kind of opens up as a shelf and or you can kind of flip it open and and keep all your gear there and, and you got your you know, a gun holder there and uh, well
2: that was the whole key with that one is having it all in one so you didn't have a strap and then hang everything on it. It was all built in and and you know, we it was our first crack at it. We've got some refinements on that. I think they're redoing that for for uh upcoming years. I don't know when. I'll have to check in on that, but I mean, it's I I use it all the time. I use it every that, that goes with me every day. So.
1: Yeah. I like that piece. I have the I have from the whitetail side of things. I have the tool bucket. Um and I I I I, I still I it's in the old Optifade green forest pattern and i i'm still using it i just love how it you know in the white tail side of things i can put my extra jackets in because i don't walk in with all my jackets you know i'm dragging a tree stand, in a lot of times in public places but then i can can strap that to the tree without having to screw anything in if i need to and it's kind of everything's open to grab fast if you need to grab binoculars or anything like that it's a it's a great pack and it's the same kind of thing with that timber backpack
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely so I don't know if, if you can, or if you can give any teasers, maybe spill the beans a little bit. Is there anything crazy we can expect for 2019, maybe 2020? Are we coming out with any new patterns, you know, any new pursuits as far as, you know, you've got a whitetail, a big game. Are we coming out with anything else? I don't want to, I don't want you to get yourself in trouble. <laughs>
2: no, um, no. I mean, no new patterns, uh, on the horizon for 19. Um, We've got some updated stuff that'll, that'll be kind of cool for, uh, for the EV2 line, some updates on, on some stuff in there. Um, let's see, waterfowl wise, just kind of refining, um, just kind of refining. I think the females are going to be excited about waterfowl 2019, because, uh, as you know, we've got female uh, or women stuff in uh E V two and big game okay. in subalpine. So um I think females are gonna be happy come next June, July when they hear that we've got waterfowl, uh Marsh, we'll have the just a regular waterfowl line, no timber. Sure. In uh in women's and um
0: Which by the, the way is a, a way. segment of the market that is blowing up and hunting right now, and I I've said it in another podcast before. I absolutely love it let's get those women out there. Let's get them involved. I mean, I just, I love seeing how popular it is and that you guys added that women's line. And then now you're expanding upon that. I think it's outstanding.
2: You know, when you make this, uh, this much of an investment and a commitment to, um, to that, I, I hope they're, I hope they come out of the woodwork to buy it. I hope their husbands or significant others buy it for them. And I, I'm like you, I hope they get to spend some time in the, in the field. I know that, uh, uh, some of the greatest moments of my life have have been spent in the outdoors and you know I've tried to explain that um to different people that don't don't get it and a lot of them female and it's like man you just got to come out here and see it well you're killing stuff no not that's not that's not what it's about no it's no. about being out there and watching watching uh watching the day wake up and seeing all the stuff that I've seen some stuff that you just you can't explain and and or when you do try to explain it, they just look at you like you're like you're an alien. And no, that didn't happen. Oh yeah, it did happen, you know. And so anyway, it's uh, uh that's that's one thing there. Um got some new packs coming out to, uh kinda to build on the hauler um family. So we've got uh some smaller ones coming out for two thousand nineteen that uh uh in two smaller sizes, so so that, that'll be pretty cool. I'm actually going to use one here in Nevada in a couple of weeks um, that's, on a mule deer hunt that I
0: have. Yeah, That's what Chandler so, and I, we both carried the Mountain Hauler 6200 out in Colorado. And, I mean, we put that thing through its paces, mm-hmm. and it, it handled like a champ. I, yeah. I probably had 50, 60 pounds in mine. Chandler, I think you did the same. And we just drug it all over the mountain, beat it, drug it through the brush. I mean, we just – it just –
1: it held up like it's a kind champ. Of, it's kind of weird how It'll
2: handle it, that's for sure.
1: It's weird how you kind of fall in love with that backpack over one week spending it. You know, it had everything in there. You, it was you in that pack and you guys never separated. No. You know, backpack that your whole you lived out of that thing. It was mm-hmm. kind of it's a it's a blast to do that.
2: Yeah, so we've got two in that um some other accessories for for glassing and and um kind of getting getting you out of the elements, uh, when you're doing that. Um, let's see, what else? I think that's, that's pretty much it. I'd say, I mean, again, we've got a couple, couple new pieces coming in, in each one of the lines, but, um, so.
1: So Jeff, what's your, what's your favorite way to water, waterfowl hunt? I
2: love shooting them in the woods with little guns. I've, I shoot, uh, I shoot a 28 gauge a bunch and I shoot a 410 when they really get in the woods. But I shoot a 28-gauge a lot. Yeah. I love shooting them in the woods. And, I mean, that's my, I've got woods here in Missouri, and then I've got a couple places in Arkansas that I get to hunt down there that is, it's it's—it's just, I've hunted them all different ways, and that's how I like to do it. So I kind of pigeonhole myself to do that. Yeah. So.
1: What kind of ammo do yeah. you shoot through the 28-gauge?
2: Well, I usually shoot, uh, I used I used to shoot heavy shot through it, but I I I I like the heavy shot. Yeah, you I've, I've shot shooting it shot
1: something? For you used to shoot time. like a classic double or something or or No, or just I'm the regular? shooting regular heavy okay. shot.
2: Yeah, cuz I'm sh- I'm shooting a an Ethos, a Benelli Ethos 28 gauge, so uh I do love the double guns and I do I do shoot classic double stuff through my my side-by-sides. I I haven't been using them as much because um you normally got to hold on to them, and I'm. It seems to me I'm always the one running the jerk cord and running the dog. And I've had two of those guns go underwater, and then had to have them totally rehauled and overhauled, uh, taken apart, broken down, and and you know oiled up. And and I just uh, if if somebody else that I know's handling the dogs, then I'll bring one of the l- little gauges. And I've got a Beretta 28 gauge. I've actually got a Parker 28 gauge too. I like so
1: yeah. That's and
2: I'll shoot plastic through that.
1: Yeah, Steve, the owner of. Of Rogers, he he plays that game too. He loves little guns. He loves he oh, loves yeah. shooting things at four tens and twenty eight gauge and stuff like twenty that. Yeah, yeah twenty gauge yeah.
2: I sh- I mean if I I don't shoot a twelve gauge really until late 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 in the season and when we go to the river or something like that I'll shoot twelve gauge there but it's it's twenty gauge twenty eight gauge four ten I shoot a four ten an old model forty two four ten and it's it's a it's a ball shooting with a four ten.
1: Oh yeah. There was an article oh.
2: just, uh, a few years. ago. Well, it was when we launched Timber that Skip Knowles wrote in Wildfowl in the Gear Guide about me and that model 40, model forty two four ten. He hates them <laughs> because he hates four tens because he thinks he thinks they're so undergunned. And I'm like, shoot, I can treetop these mallards every day mm-hmm. with this thing, and I shoot heavy shot through it, and it just wrecks.
1: Them. Oh yeah, the, the ammunition so, now is just opening up. You know some, yeah, all of that. I've got
2: actually I got some TSS that I had for turkey on that I'm going to shoot that out of that 410 this year. But you know I shot a swan with a 28 gauge last year out in Nevada at 35 yards and just stoned him. Hmm. And so I'll take that 28 gauge anyway. Oh yeah,
0: that's 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 cool. Yeah, that's a good story. So one of the other really important questions I wanted to ask you is: Are you going to be at Waterfowl Weekend next year? And is the barbecue coming with you? <laughs>
2: Well, I'll tell you, there's a very good chance that the barbecue rig will be at Waterfowl Weekend uh, next year. Um, I've been told that the Run and Gun Tour, we're going to expand that a little more. So I have a feeling I might be doing just more than uh, a couple of them. Yeah. So I actually, I cooked at your place. I cooked um, at a retailer down south. And then I had, they actually called me up a week before an event in Tennessee and said, hey. they'd, they'd really like to have you. Can you get out here? And so I flew to Tennessee and they provided a barbecue rig for me and really? we pulled it off it was it, it was difficult and i told him i said look you guys just picked a date and i'm bringing mine because this was i was i was worried that we weren't going to be able to get it all done really? but we we got everything done. that was so, yeah
1: that's the plan that was absolutely you know great food <laughs> oh that was good i'm
0: glad you like i it. could yeah i could well, have well, sat probably- there and eaten for the next two hours i mean just talk about amazing barbecue for those that are listening and don't know jeff watt can cook up some mad barbecue?
2: Well, you know, that's one of the things that both myself and I'll, I'll throw Ira McCulley a, a big plug here on this is
0: whenever we're
2: at Duck Camp, you can always count on having some good food. I mean, whether it be, it's just gumbos or or um, tomahawks or, or double-cut pork chops or barbecue. I mean, we just, thats that's part of, to us, that's part of Duck Camp. Sure, and um, so we we love doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, desserts,
0: the cobbler's,
2: the crisps, the pecan pies, the you know all that stuff. We 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 put that effort into it. So it's
0: going up on dinner time now. You can't be talking like that. <laughs> Good <laughs> grief! Oh, uh, Chandler,
1: do you have any final thoughts on Sitka here? I mean, uh, the pattern, the layering, the system, the technology behind it. I mean, they put time and effort behind this to to get people out in the field um hunting longer hunting better you know being more successful you get i mean if you get into this stuff you're going to be definitely impressed and you're going to have great hunts you know ahead of you it's good gear i really mean it mm-hmm. i guess my final thought would be um take it from
0: me personally that it's one of those things that you think is expensive, but as soon as you try it, you're going to fall in love with it. That was absolutely the case for me. It was one of those things I thought, man, it, can it really be worth it? I can tell you from personal experience, it absolutely is. I've worn this gear, waterfowl hunting, out in the mountains. I've put it through its paces. I've worn it for weeks straight with no washing, and it just it, it performs. It does what it's supposed to do, and it, it'll outperform uh, a lot of stuff out there, so it, it's 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 awesome it is I can't say enough good about it so um jeff what are, what are your final thoughts
1: well
2: i would I would tell you this is that as I mentioned before is that uh, it seems like everything today is expensive, and I said you get what you pay for and and this stuff if you take care of it and pay attention to what you're doing with it it'll it'll last you it, everything's got a life cycle with this this stuff will last a long time. Um, you know, if, if there's any issue with um, any of the gear, Sitka stands behind it. They have a uh, repair facility uh, that they work with called Rainy Pass that can repair anything. The, the Gore-Tex garments, the wind stopper garments, any of it. The waders, um, you can actually repair them in the field yourself. If it's a leak in the boot or something in the boot, then the boot can be replaced. So, I mean, there's a lot of thought that's gone into it, and I mean, it's a it. We want customers long term. We don't want we don't want them we don't want them to purchase one thing from us. We want them to purchase a number of things because they're happy with how the the, the gear and it actually is gear. It's not apparel anymore. This is gear, and it it performs. And I can promise you, if you if you give it a try, and um, I, I can promise you, you're going to like it, and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna want to buy some more of it.
0: Absolutely. Okay, I think that's pretty much about it.